0: Hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and wellbeing? My name is Brian Crook and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace wellbeing thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe and well workplaces of the future. Hello, and welcome back to the WorkWell podcast. Today in the show, I'm delighted to welcome Janet Buckley. Janet is Head of Organizational Development with the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, the CCPC. In her role, she has responsibility for all elements of organizational development, HR, L&D, and wellbeing. She has over 24 years experience across the civil and public service with additional experience in the private and charity sectors. She has been in OD roles for the last 16 years, which is where her passion for workplace wellbeing emerged. And trust me, you will hear her passion. Janet joins me today to debunk the myths that wellbeing is expensive and time consuming and that it's HR's responsibility. Sit back and enjoy our conversation. So Janet, hello and welcome to the WorkWell podcast.
1: Hello Brian, good morning, how are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you and how are you and you know how is work and how is life for you at the moment?
1: Um, I'm good, I'm good but uh, you know there's ups and downs I think like everybody you know this whole situation has just been so beyond what we could ever imagine that like you know there are good days and there are bad days so you know and, and work has been very busy and um, you know I'm not one of these people that was had the luxury of making sourdough and putting on Instagram for weeks on end, you know, we, we've been flat out. So other than that though, good.
0: Very good. Very good. And, and bring us up to speed a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your, your background and your, and your role then.
1: Okay. So I've always had an interest in workplace wellbeing and, and I was thinking about this, I am old enough to remember when there used to be a workplace well-being, uh, a work-life balance week in March every year. So if you Google that, that goes way, way back. But I've probably been in OD roles for about 16 years, and that was part of my remit. And it's stuck with me since then. Um, now I'm in an OD strategic sort of HR role, but it's something that I've always valued, and I think it's really, really important. And I think it can be done well, and it doesn't have to be expensive, and it doesn't have to be... All bells and whistles you know but I've over the years I've, I've managed to bring like teams of people with me and um, I also think it belongs to everybody that it's not something that HR comes down and does to people I think that, that that doesn't allow for that collective responsibility one of my belief systems about well-being is that we all have a personal and collective responsibility to make work life better for each other so yeah I've been using that principle to kind of promote well-being in both of this organization and in my last organization so Everything from fitness to healthy eating to psychological well being, you know.
0: Fantastic. And so, what you're talking about there, that collective responsibility, that kind of echoes to me of what the World Health Organization, how they kind of define a healthy workplace. It's the collaboration between employers and employees, if you like. So, meeting halfway. So, yes, you can have a fantastic work environment, but if you as the individual are kind of not Taking a little bit of responsibility for your own well-being, like it's it's not going to count for a whole lot. So it's that collaboration between the two. So you're you're definitely echoing that. Where, where does your own kind of knowledge of this uh, come from? Because you've you've sent me on some documentation and the well-being strategy, which we'll touch on in a little while. Where does your own kind of knowledge of this area come from? I think I
1: well, I trained as a yoga teacher. So I'm very interested in in that whole holistic space and like. Like the real principles of yoga are all that inclusive, like that, you know, the whole of the whole of person and the whole of you know the, your collective impact on people as well. Like when you look at the principles of karma yoga and stuff like that. But I suppose one of the things that, that struck me was we spend so much of our time and work, and I've been a commuter for over 18 years. And I think you know to try and make work better for people. So just through research, through reaching out, talking to people, I've come across it in various you know kind of inclusive initiatives, and it just literally ignited something in me. And then I started to read up on it more. I started to learn about it. I started to reach out to people, uh, a bit like reaching out to yourself, um, to see what others were doing. I started to hear about what the Googles were doing. I started to think about well, how can that translate into the public sector? Why should we be any different? I mean, there's a fantastic lot of stuff that was happening in the public sector long before Google ever showed up. Like they had fantastic family friendly initiatives, really good, kind of like the shorter working year, the, the um, job sharing, and all that stuff was all there. And it was there for years, but nobody ever called it out as a well being thing. And um, so, yeah, so it was kind of self educated and then just ignited a real passion. And I could talk and listen to this stuff uh, forever, you know.
0: That's great, yeah, and the great that it came from that passion and that self-learning, but you, you've actually, you're following a really, uh, I don't know, a, a kind of well-defined path or a research-based path, because the, a lot of the, what I've seen from your strategy document is actually kind of how we, the principles we teach on the postgrad in Trinity. So you're, you're actually very, it's, it's almost as if you've gone through the program already, to be honest, looking at your, at some of your documentation. So really well done on wow. that. It's, it's quite impressive. Tell us, tell us about the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, and you know, so public sector body, limited budget, as you've said. I think it's not a huge team, if I'm not mistaken. Is it around the 120 mark?
1: Yeah, it's a smaller, it's a small enough organization, but we are growing quite rapidly. Actually, we're going through a lot of change, a lot of a big growth spurt at the moment. Sure. Um. So when I started years ago, we were 89, and we're going to continue to grow in that way for the next two years. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot to do and a lot of goodwill to harness, but no, you're right. I suppose with strategy, the strategy, I, what I would say about that is, I take wellbeing as serious as, it, as serious as I would take the HR strategy or the L&D strategy. And I think it does need that framework um, in order for it to be successful. Um, so that's probably where I got the principles of how to do that from, um, if you wanted to have real sustained impact, if you want anything to have sustained impact, and that's what I want, I want it to become part of our DNA, and definitely in the last organisation. And to do that, you do need a strategy. So it just seemed logical to me to do it that. So sorry for, for, for stealing the, the postcard <laughs> idea. I, I was really looking forward to doing that, but now you're telling to tell me that I might not
0: need it. Oh, there's an awful lot more. We dive a lot deeper there. <laughs> but looking at, so you're, I've got your document in front of me here. So the Employee Wellbeing Strategy, it's 2018 to 2020. You've called out, you know, the, the wellbeing vision. Mm-hmm. Which it's almost almost the first principle we kind of talk about is can you align your well-being vision to the organisational vision? So that's something you've done right from the off in that document, which is which is fantastic. And I, I can also see here, so you've kind of you kind of linked this to your looks like it's the 2016 to 2019 the organisational development strategy. So again, you're getting yeah. well-being on the agenda there for for the overall kind of organisational strategy.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We did that. And one of the things I'll say about both this organisation and the last one is that the senior, like senior leadership buy-in is massive. You mm-hmm. can't do this stuff without it. Like you, you really can't. And it has to be authentic. And I'm, I'm very glad to say, as I sit here and I just was I was mentioning before we formally start, I've just had a very you know good conversation with our leadership team just last week. And they're very keen to ensure that well-being stays, you know, valued and authentic and that it's seen you know that it does it's not just seen as this fluffy social thing over there and, and they'd be very kind of I think you know disappointed if it was to turn out that way. So we're gonna have another conversation next week to see basically from a leadership perspective how can they help you know sustain the impact of, of what we've done to date. But you do need an ambassador, you need a champion, you need someone who's gonna drive it and um, and you need the leaders to, to talk about it because that conversation can be so powerful and so impactful. In my last organization when we had the, the, we did a big burst program there we did a month long of, of intense stuff and then we as a launch platform for for culture change and uh, you know I, people were saying to the leaders you know what you want us to do and I was like just talk about it just say to people have you done anything have you participated you know this is great I was thinking of doing that you know and that was one of the most powerful tools that we had so definitely the leadership and the communication was was, was key you know
0: very good. Yeah. And leadership is, is probably step one on, on our framework that we use. So it, it is so important, as you mentioned, and it's not that some people think it might be just kind of writing the check every now and then or this kind of idea. But as you've, you've touched on there, it's it's communication, it's participation, it's maybe, yes, it's allocation of some kind of resources, not always necessarily financial, but kind of that kind of buy in and support for time, for effort and commitment on the program is, is essential. The current wellbeing strategy is 2018 to 2020. So I imagine I'm guessing in the background now you're, you're looking at the 2021 to 2023 strategy wellbeing strategy. Could you maybe talk us through and the listeners what what's involved in that in preparing like a three year a three year plan for wellbeing?
1: Well, we are also moving into our new people strategy. So we've brought in the umbrella of our HR strategy, the OD strategy, and we're going to do an all-encompassing people strategy. And that wellbeing will be, will be one of the pillars under that, well, along with leadership and learning and development, and then, uh, you know, best practice in HR. So there'll be a lot of staff consultation. Uh, it'll be important for us to measure the current strategy. So we'll do some measurement. And we've already done a staff survey on our respond, our wellbeing response to COVID, which, you know, we connect very well in that. And we were very proud of that. But I think measurement is important and then that consultation so it'll form part of you know a broader consultation but we will have very specifically designed and engineered pieces around well-being both at leadership level and both across the organisation and uh, to look at basically how we can map well-being moving forward and how we can potentially improve what we do um, and to make it sustainable and then that will transfer into documents and as part of that whole people piece we will be looking at our values again and making sure that the pillars underneath do align to the values so yeah good body of work but it's usually fun work it's good it gets good energy going in the organization and uh, people are very bought. you know people get very bought into it and they really want to contribute to make the organization good and that's probably something uh, that I would say about both this one and my last organization because they're both public sector the drive and commitment is phenomenal like uh, people usually choose to work with the CCPC because they have an interest in consumer, you know, consumer law and protecting consumers. And then my last organisation, Justice Sector, as well. And that commitment was massive. And it was one of the reasons I wanted to ensure that we valued our people and that we made them feel that they were, you know, valued and recognised for, for that huge commitment, you know, because they they really do go above and beyond.
0: Fantastic. And yeah, so we, we mentioned the, the, the leadership piece, but now you're into the so the employee involvement as well, getting the the input, the feedback you know the the commitment of your of your people as well and they they can really feel then that they have a, a purpose or they have a role in in developing and defining the strategy so that's that's crucial as well so i mean you're you're really on top of that, so um that sounds like you're really motoring in that area too.
1: Can I retrospectively get the diploma or the the grad <laughs> certificate?
0: We we we'll get we'll get you involved in the next run absolutely. Uh, we okay, might get you for a case study actually for, for a chat. Yeah, we'd love
1: that actually.
0: We, we- yeah, one thing you do speak quite uh, kind of passionately about as well, like you've mentioned a couple of times. So public sector, no, not not a huge team, uh, limited budget. Budget is something you're kind of keen to promote the idea that you you can do an awful lot on a limited budget and it's pro- probably the most frequent question i get is I'm sure i've no budget i can't yeah. compete with x y and z what do i do where do i start oh, what advice would you have
1: um first of all to look at what you do and i mentioned about what the public sector had already done but it's also about branding and promoting things collectively so we all do a lot of things like we do tax saver we do bike to work you know, bring it under an umbrella. And both this organization, the last one, I, I got a logo. We used that logo. We literally put it on everything that was connected to well-being. But more importantly than that, then, is to look at what you have. So we had a limited budget. So, for instance, we wanted to promote safe cycling during the Bike to Work Week, uh, the National Bike Week. So we went to the local bike store. We said, look, do you want to bring in a couple of demo bikes? And then talk to people about safe, safe city cycling. Uh, that was free. You know, uh, we wrote to the RSA, we got free high-base gear, which we get out of National Bike Week, also free. Something else uh, that we did on a budget. And these are like the, um, what I'm talking about now is those, those kind of fun things. So we're, we're not talking about the, the, the kind of more kind of more serious things, but we'll, I will talk about them. But the ice cream van, I said, this is one of my favourite stories. If I, I wanted to hire an ice cream van. It's like astronomical, I was like horrified to think of how much an ice cream van wanted. So what did we do? We worked beside Iceland, we got two buckets of ice, we went round, we spent about 25 euro, we invite, we we sent a summer um, invitation, we always do in- personalized invitations, sent a summer invitation and said, by the way, come to the canteen at lunchtime you'll get a free ice cream. And like 100 people got an ice cream for 25 euro. And people were just walking around. I mean, adults love ice cream like children do. People were in the office, delighted with themselves ah. for the day. I was delighted. We are all happy out having had the ice cream. And then what we did then was we used our money very wisely and strategically. So... We Got a wear in that was a cost, okay. Uh, but under health and safety legislation, you have an obligation to look after the well being of people. So, we were able to use the L and a bit of L and D budget for that, and, and that was really really good. And we and we put it on during the day because we said to people, Look, mental health is really important. I'm not going to invite you to a lunch and learn to talk about your mental health, I'm going to give it to you during the day, and that was really well valued. So, that's the other thing as well. I think some of the mistakes are the people trying to push things into lunch and learns all the time, but sometimes it's nice to give something to people during the day. So it's that time piece that you talked about. Um, other things then, like uh, we, for the bike thing as well, we had um, one of our people come up and he was like, you know, actually, do you know what? I could give a better bike demo than him. So next year I'll do three bike maintenance sessions uh, for free at lunchtime. And he taught people how to change a tire, how to fix a chain, how to check their brakes, that was free we had um, a former scout leader he brought a gang of us out hill walking for six weeks during the summer every wednesday and we let people like leave a half an hour early uh, the hill walkers um and our director went out on that and that was fantastic and it really got a real buzz and a real energy another good cheap one is mindfulness so i mentioned to you before about Beaumont and the mark center huge free resources on mindfulness we had someone who was really passionate about it um they facilitated a space at lunchtime for 10 minutes of mindfulness every Monday. They put it, they picked really good audios each week and just changed it up and put these audios on and just created a comfortable space and people went down and practiced mindfulness. It costs nothing just other than the staff time. So there are so many free resources that you can tap into. And as you know, there are just like five examples, but I could talk about this stuff for, for probably a good hour and a half. So I'll, I'll probably stop, stop yeah. now so you can ask me the next question.
0: so so many great examples there already and you know some great points and i've noticed that as well uh the the lunchtime piece people value their lunchtime if you are going to run a session 11 a.m seems to be kind of the sweet spot before people's lunch yeah on during their working day it's actually you're kind of valuing their time you're giving them something during the working day people do really appreciate that I, i have noticed and another another lesson learned there is you you may not win friends with salad, but you can win friends with ice cream. So uh, maybe not all day, every day, but you know, it's, uh, it's nice, to, nice to bring out the ice cream. So great, great work there as well. You touched on kind of measure the survey and measurements. And I, I saw from the, the well-being strategy document as well, you have a detailed section on measurement and evaluation. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's a, that's a key part as well. You know, what gets measured can be improved upon as we all know. So that's something you have kind of set out from day one. You've got your measurement targets in there.
1: Absolutely. And, and we, we, we do measure participation rates. We keep records on those just to see trends and, and what works well and what doesn't, and also around timing, what works well. But I'm very fortunate that the organisation plays such value on it that they've actually allowed um, a resource from each division to participate in what we call the wellbeing committee. And that wellbeing committee is is the informal feedback mechanism for a lot of stuff. So we're constantly getting just-in-time feedback live on, on our events. We have the participation rates. We've done the mid, the midpoint survey, as I mentioned. We did it in response to COVID. Uh, we look at the money of what we spend. We look at the amount of hours that we're spending um, in terms of, you know, the participation rate by the, the time of the event and to see, you know, how much, of, how much of our time was spent on it. And we use that just to kind of analyse well you know, where was the best effort and where, where wasn't it? And one of the things that we'll do now coming out of the strategy is to do that formal measurement again. So we were very fortunate. Another free resource, the Heart Foundation, has a, has a wealth of resources on it, and they shared a fantastic survey with us that we tweaked just a little bit before we went into our strategy. And that was the strategy that we used as the that was the survey we used as the baseline strategy. So we're going to do that again, and we're going to look, at and hopefully we'll see a positive trend in improvements. So one of the things was around hydration. We ran a a hydration uh, awareness campaign. Another one was about screen time. So we ran a digital detox. Both of those free events cost very little. I think we got out of them for like 20, 30 euros and we ran week long campaigns raising awareness about two very important areas of health. So we'll measure that and we'll see, you know, are people eating more fruit? Are they having more physical exercise? You know, are our screen time habits better? Or is, you know, are we hydrating better and stuff like that? And that'll be, that'll give us that baseline to measure uh, back and forward, you know? So, yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit on measurements. That's where we're going with that one.
0: That's a really kind of refreshing to hear you say, when I'm, when I'm asking about measurements, almost the first thing you're telling me about is you're, you're measuring the health behaviors, the health outcomes yeah. of your people. For some, some organizations might jump straight into the, the financial side of things. How much is this saving us? How much kind of, how much money are we getting? How much bang are we getting for our book? Yeah. So really refreshing to hear you looking at the the health behavior, the health outcomes.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's one of the key pillars of the strategy. And like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to say HR practitioner that, you know, it'd be great to see that, you know, trends in sick leave and things like that. Absolutely. But first and foremost, we want our people to be well. Um, because, you know, that's really the heart of the well-being, you know, uh, of the well-being strategy. We want to help them create better habits. And we talked about work-life balance uh, previously, but I don't feel that that's achievable anymore. Life blends, work-life, it just all mixes. And I think, you know, we need to create healthy habits throughout our day. And that includes at work, you know. so
0: Yeah, great, great point. Great point. And, and you've already mentioned, mentioned kind of the positive commitment of the leadership team what what are your conversations or, around well-being like are are you when you when you get these kind of results back these trends as you mentioned are you kind of going back to them and presenting to them and saying look here's the, the positive improvements or here's an area we could improve upon is that is that how it works
1: Yeah, so i will i i i generally speaking we're up with the all staff as well so we've got an all staff and we've got like a leadership we've got our lead senior leadership team but absolutely You know, I've been talking to them about that as well. And one of the things that struck me, particularly in this organisation, was when I pitched the wellbeing strategy to the leadership team, one of them really spoke out about something and he was very passionate about it. And he was like, well, can we ensure that if we're going to do well being that we be authentic and we encourage people to take their proper leave and we make sure that people take a good break from work? You said because if we're going to buy fruit and facilitate yoga in the, you know put on yoga in the evening, like it all be you know paid by the person, you know if we're not telling people to take a break and if we're not teaching people to turn off, it doesn't really mean anything. And it, and it was so true. And people may not connected in the organisation from us in HR twice a year at least saying to them and also messages from the leadership team saying taking holidays you need to take a break you need to turn off it's important you know this is very important for your well-being so yeah they're very they're very interested and keen to see how it works out so very much feeding it back at the moment just on based on the COVID response we, we that we did and the measure of the well-being based on the extra things that we put in place for people you know, I was up in front of in front of the commission and the senior team, and I was, you know, give them an absolute overview. But the staff spoke for themselves, you know. So it's a no-brainer, really. I, I don't have to sell it anymore. It sells. It, it actually sells itself. You know, which is which is a fantastic result. And I have to say, it's been really driven by the committee. So, you know, me on my own, I wouldn't I wouldn't have. I haven't achieved this. We've we literally have achieved it together, and I'm so proud of all the work that we've done. Uh, you know, in the committee.
0: Very good. Yeah, it really does sound like you've got that a great momentum behind you now. So as you said, it's kind of selling itself. It's it's that momentum, and and, and the leadership clearly involved the committee as you mentioned. So I mean, some people might call them you know well-being champions or well-being advocates. So for, for in the CCPC, there the well, the well-being committee. How, tell us a little bit about how did they how did that come together? You mentioned there's someone from each division, is it, and they're kind of volunteering for this, is it?
1: Yeah. So initially, obviously I was new to the organization. So I didn't really know who, you know, who was who. But I always believed that you should look outside your own circle. So I did it in the last organization as well. Don't pick your friends with this stuff, because your friends will just influence hmm. your friends. And you'll be sitting in a bubble with just you and your friends, or your, your key circle. And what you want is to look outside of that and try and identify. Well, you know, who, who's well-respected, who's well-regarded, who can promote and sell this stuff well? So I had a conversation with a couple of people that I barely knew at the time um, and said to them, okay, I have this great idea and I've got this great vision and will you come on board? And I said, look, if you don't think it's authentic, you can step away. But they've come on board and it's absolutely brilliant. One of them leads the induction for new wellbeing committee members. So they actually have a little induction cuff with that particular member of the committee. Initially, we didn't take, like, we weren't, we're not meeting weekly, we're not meeting monthly, it doesn't work like that. We do bursts of programmes, so we'll plan an autumn programme, and that'll cover autumn, winter, and then we'll start uh, late in the winter, we'll start planning planning the summer programme, and that starts usually with National Workplace Wellbeing Day and spans into the autumn. So, like, when people talk about, like, collective effort, it doesn't, you're not sitting around for an hour a week talking about this stuff or at least we've heard before Colo, we are putting a lot more effort into it and we are meeting more regularly because it's needed at the moment. And we always look for people who have a passion for it, who believe in it. We have conversations with the sceptics too, but I think from a committee perspective to keep the energy, the momentum, you need people that have, have that passion in them, you know? And I think I was telling you as well, we give them like they get feedback. So informally they've got a goal, it's in their goals, they get feedback from me. I write to their to the manager and tell them like well they were involved in this and they were involved in that and they led on this particular campaign and it was really effective. So that you know we, we have that formal structure as well, whereby they get recognition within their performance review for the work that they do, which I think is hugely important.
0: Uh, that is hugely important, yeah. And that again, that's quite innovative. I mean, I've seen a couple of companies in the in the US do that. Include well-being goals, if you like, in the in the performance review. But it's it's very new in Ireland. There's only one or two organisations doing it, so we can add the CCPC to the list now. So that, that you're right, though. It's so important that, w- that reward that recognition for that effort that they're putting in. That's a huge driver. Definitely,
1: yeah. It's 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 just so important. And as I said, people well-being isn't about expense. It's not about you know the bells and whistles. It's about valuing people, and that includes the committee and it includes, you know, the people who get involved. So we also have this kind of partnering arrangement as well. So there are some people who are involved in particular elements of wellbeing. So we are, um, we've are, got a lot of different nationalities in the organization. So if someone approached the wellbeing committee and asked us, could we do a celebration for Chinese New Year? We've got a number of Chinese nationals that work with us. Um, and they came in and they helped and they did that. We kind of steered them and we ran this, we ran this beautiful event for two years where we did the celebrate through lunchtime event. and. Uh, that person isn't involved in well-being but it creates that approachability so then that creates that collective kind of responsibility again so if somebody's very interested in the well-being they know who to go to and they know who to talk to about it can we do this can we think about doing this so we now have a new book club that's launched and that came about from feedback from people that just in time feedback so i think they've just finished their first book uh, our remote book club so it's that constant that lot it's very organic it's very live you know as well as the
0: formal stuff very good. Yeah, so lots of cool, innovative stuff going on there. But I, and as you mentioned, the, the role of the wellbeing committee there, we, we I always say as well, it's, as you mentioned, so difficult for an individual or even a, a group of individuals in a team in a silo, if HR, for example, to try and run and own the well-being strategy. It's 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 actually it's almost impossible. You really need though that committee, those, those people on the ground and different departments, different locations, if that's the case, different voices representing different different elements of the organization. So it sounds like you, you really have that. But you touched on the the remote book club. Is there is there anything else you've been doing or you've kind of adapted in the last couple of months for the a new remote working environment remote book club sounds cool
1: yeah no we've, we've we've done loads so the first thing we did when we went out was because we went not to 90 we weren't remote workers we literally were like not remote working on monday by friday we were we were remote working so it was a huge massive change for us so the first thing i did was i spoke to a couple of people that had experience of remote working i said look what are your challenges what supports did you need you know, what helped you work from home better? And you gave me a whole list of stuff. And then I said to the leaders, I need the well-being committee support here. And I brought those ideas to the well-being committee and within my own team, because some of them were HR related. And we basically said about a schedule of events. So we did a resource on well-being working from home. We used the Mark stuff. We used some of the HSE stuff. Fabulous free resources. Cost me absolutely nothing. We did one for managing your new work environment, what that, you know, what that meant. We did ergonomic. Well, we actually did put on yoga for the price yoga. It doesn't have to cost the earth. Uh, we did that online. We then were very concerned about team collegiality. Uh, our old staff was we had an award ceremony. We sent out plastic medals and um, certificates of commendation to people who won. We've done a steps challenge for cross team collaborations. So people signed up, but we put them on different teams. We did Route Six. We walked Route Sixty Six and back. And uh, there was photograph competitions. We did a coloring competition for the kids for Easter. We had like we've done awards. for us. We've done a Thursday trek. So people went out on Thursday walking, and we did a photo competition. God, I'm trying to think. We did manager resources as well because people were saying, "Look, I want to be managed." For me, managing people well is part of wellbeing as well. It does have an impact. Uh, with the book club i'm trying to think what else we've done we've done we've done a huge amount we did gold jersey day recently so we have an annual gold cup yeah we've got a gorgeous silver cup with our corporate ribbons on it so this lucky dip challenge um it takes like 20 minutes on friday and uh, there's like emojis, there's been scavenger hunt pieces in it, we've done virtual guess who and it's all been done very much kind of, well pink dressed up in a dicky bow and did like a formal award ceremony where people had to kind of show up with their medals so that creates a great collegiality and, and it's basically like we'll try anything once and we'll see how it goes. Um, we also promoted our employee assistance service as well and we did a huge thing on mental health and um, we always do green ribbon, we're very passionate about that so we've done that and as I said the leaders are now going to step in we did a lot of supports around people with families so and caring responsibilities very much when the schools were out very positive messages about that when that went out first I think the survey showed that people felt very supported at that time so I hope that we're continuing in, in, in a positive way it'll be interesting to measure again to see how we're doing you know
0: yeah I mean like I think there's there's a lesson for anyone listening in that kind of uses or says they've no budget or you know, for, for well-being activities, you know, all the really innovative and broad spectrum of of initiatives you mentioned there, I wouldn't say they cost a whole lot, if anything at all. So there's certainly there's not a whole lot of excuse. I guess it's, t- it's time. You certainly need the time, you need the effort yeah. to put into that, that commitment. That, that's what you need, first and foremost. And if you have a little bit of budget to put on top of that, fantastic. But it's it's the time and the effort that is key. So listen, we we've spoken we've spoken a lot about the all the wonderful initiatives that you're running internally there from from a work perspective. How how are you how are you managing your own wellbeing from a personal perspective? How's that going?
1: Um, I've been good and bad uh, at the start of lockdown. I was running myself into the ground, but I kind of had to take a good long kind of check kind of a uh, couple of months into it and take responsibility, so I, I live in the grounds of Castle Town House, it's a stunning piece of uh, woodlands that I wasn't using, so now every day I get out and I walk, every morning, it's, it's just literally, it's like my meditation, and it's so, so important for me. I was quite lucky, I do have so, ensure that I maintain it, um, particularly when you're so close to the fridge, being at home, you know, the snacks are there, Um, but also reaching out to people, I live alone, I feel very isolated, I'm, I, I miss hugs, I miss my nieces, Um, I've got a great circle of friends around me but nothing compensates for the love and joy that you spend with your family and and your nieces so I'm just trying to stay connected with people like that and being very mindful of and being kind to myself I think is is really important I'm realizing how tough this is so for the first couple of months I was kind of almost in denial I was like oh sure I'm fine in in this this situation it it doesn't mean anything but then I had to sit back and go no actually Janet you're not fine And, and that's okay and talk to people about it and, and and just, you know, ensure that I had positive habits in my day. And, you know, the, the habits we have from summer are not going to work. You know, we're going to have to change or modify them. So, you know, if you go for a walk after work every day, are you going to want to do it in the dark? Is it going to have the same impact on you? Probably not. So maybe you're better off going out at lunchtime and trying to kind of promote those kind of things. So people become very conscious of, you know, just slight tweaks to what they do in order to maintain maintain that healthy habits that they bring into the winter so that's that's something that we're looking at at the moment but uh yeah no you have to keep a check of yourself as well that's the other thing you know
0: yeah yeah, absolutely do yeah and positive habits positive behaviors as you mentioned so important and a really nice line i think you mentioned it to finish up with you know be kind to yourself yeah you know, don't beat yourself up so don't compare yourself to others on instagram it's okay not to be okay absolutely uh as we face into the winter, yeah, be kind to yourself. And uh, I think that's a really nice positive attitude to finish up with. Look, Janet, Janet, you've been so generous with your time, such an interesting conversation. Where can people go to find out more about you and the work that you're doing?
1: So, Brian, I'm on LinkedIn um, and I'm very happy to connect with anybody and talk, talk about this and talk about my experience and particularly the free stuff if that's of interest. But also likewise, if they are not on LinkedIn, I'm quite happy for them to reach out to me through you if that's okay um and uh you know and you can potentially put people in, in touch with
0: me um, so either of those and i I'm quite gladly would share uh share anything that i've done with anybody that's interested that is, that is absolutely okay and I, I know you actually reached out to sheila sheila greeny a previous podcast guest and, and did something similar so great to fantastic to be able to offer something back like that a real kind of community community effort so uh, janet listen thanks again and i'll talk with you soon
1: no problem, listen.
0: thank you, Brian. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Cheers. And that is a wrap. A big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. If you're interested in learning more about workplace well-being, if you want to educate yourself in this area, then head on over to workwellinstitute.org, where I'm launching my online education programs. You can learn all about my eight-step framework for developing a workplace wellness program that lasts, and that's through a self-paced online program. So go to workwellinstitute.org to find out more. Now to stream or download more podcasts, you can go to workwellpodcast.com. You'll also find show notes for each episode there. Original music for this podcast was composed by my great friend, Greg Clifford. I would love if you could head over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I know it's a pain. I know it's it's a chore. It's an awful chore, isn't it? But it would be very much appreciated if you could do so. If you like what you heard today, please do share this episode with your friends so they too can discover the podcast. And finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on the show, email me directly, brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, wash your hands, stay safe, and I will see you on the next episode.